you know what, Chickie? Just nobody answered their door. I remember going from house to house to house to house, just trying to get somebody in to say, I need a phone, and this has happened. Um, so it was ages and ages before I actually managed to get into somebody's house to use their phone. Um, so it was a good wee while, actually, before I went back to the scene of the accident. And whenever I got there, oh my goodness, there were police everywhere. Absolutely everywhere, buzzing around my car, buzzing around the stationary car. Um, there were police measuring the skid marks. And I'm just like, whoa, this is so not good. Um, and I remember going over to one of the police officers and he said, sorry, who, who are you? And I remember looking at him and saying, this is my car. Um, I was driving this car. And he just looked at me and he just said point blank, no, you weren't. And I said, this is, I, I was driving this car. And I can remember this police officer, he just looked at me in absolute bewilderment. And I can remember him saying, this could not possibly have been your car. Because if you look at this car, you could physically not have got out of this car. Never mind be walking about whole, telling me that you were driving in this car. And he said, you know what? I have been to car crashes so much less severe than this. And the driver has been lying there dead or severely, severely injured. And you know what? Because I was standing there. I hadn't a scratch. I had nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because the Lord had done a miracle and preserved my life that day. Absolutely. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Oh, by the way, I later found out, you see the crazy frenzied activity I was talking about? Well, this is so me, right? Um, I had actually managed not just to crash into anybody's stationary car, but I had actually managed to crash into the retired police superintendent of Northern Ireland's car. Hence the panic and the trauma and the, yeah. You couldn't write it, only me. Only I could actually achieve that, so yeah. So I wanted to share that story with you this morning um, as I talk about presence. Because do you know what? This, that incident, it changed my life. Because I am so acutely aware that God's presence, it surrounds me daily. My life, and you know, I don't just say my life is in his hands in a flippant way. My life is in his hands. You know, and Psalm 139 is one of my favorite Psalms, and I'm going to refer to it in a minute again as well. But uh, it says, all the days ordained for me were written in the book of life before one of them came to be. And you know what? You see, in my boy, boy crazy stage at that point, I'm pretty sure I did not pray protection getting into the car. But, you know, thankfully, I had a mum who prayed protection over me Every single time, I had a journey everywhere, and I'm so grateful for those prayers. And, you know, as I made, as I look back on that time, you know, my Heavenly Father, He was with me, and He wasn't even just with me, He spoke to me, and He protected me from coming to any harm. And, you know, that really breathes life for me on Acts 17, verse 28, which says, For in him we live and move and have our being. And, you know, I think for those of us who are Christians who have given our lives over to Jesus, do you know what? Our lives are more wrapped up in the presence of God than we can even grasp. 
And back to Psalm 139. Oh, I've got my wee clicky thing. I'm going to try it. I've never done this. I'm really excited. Um, oh, it works. Yay, there we go. Um, so Psalm 139, it says this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far, on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Incredible words. Nothing can separate us from our Jesus. And you know, these verses make me think of that poor guy, Jonah. You know, he really did try his best, didn't he, to escape the presence of the Lord. And he boarded that ship for Tarshish, and he knew he should have gone to Nineveh. And uh, yeah, you know the story. Um, But I love in that story the fact that, you know, the Lord in his grace and in his love, he brought him back on the right path and into his presence and where he was meant to be. And that's just what he does with us, isn't it? He passionately and with love, he pursues us even when we wander away or fail to seek his presence. But back to David for a moment. So I think David sets us a really, really great example because he grasps that presence is everything. You see, it is in the midst of God's presence that we find rest, that we find peace, that we find security, that we find identity as the apple of his eye. We find our love and our acceptance and strength and comfort. And let's face it, life's hard, isn't it? Life can be really, really tough. It isn't an easy ride for anybody. And we so need a place where we can draw upon all of these things. We so need our Father's presence. And Psalm 17, verse 15. In this one, David says, As for me, I will be vindicated or justified and will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied seeing your likeness. And the incredible thing is that as we behold God's face, we actually become changed by that vision more into his likeness. And that just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. And beholding God's face, it leaves no void. It leaves no emptiness. And just as David expressed, absolute satisfaction is secured. Our Heavenly Father is so good, isn't he? And I know that my heart, my heart is to behold the face of God. I don't just want his hand or just his arm. And you know, for me, it isn't just about satisfying my own personal needs. And yes, that personal encounter, it is key. It is incredibly important for every one of us. But you know, I need his presence to make me more like Jesus as I live out my life. And as you guys now know, I could have been wiped out. 25 years ago, I could have been completely wiped out. But God stepped in and he said, it's not your time. It's not your time to leave this earth. 
And I don't know when that time will be for me. None of us know that. But I do know that in the time that I have, my heart is to seek his face and to overflow with his presence wherever my feet walk. Now, as some of you may know, um, I work as a teacher in a local school a number of days a week. And do you know what? I love my job. I really do. And I'm passionate about my kids. Um, And I'm so honoured that I get to build relationship and spend time with the kids in my care that I've been entrusted with. Um, And, you know, in reality, because I'm a very realistic person, it is not always easy. It can be really tough, actually. And there are lots and lots of challenges facing our schools today. And, you know, there are plenty of days where I get home and I flop into a chair and I think, I just need to put my feet up and have the largest cup of tea I can find because, boy, that was some day. Um, but in the, in the realistic world with homeworks and kids and all that sort of stuff, it's usually very short-lived. But I certainly have plenty of days which end up like that. And, you know, every morning I have two options. I can either give these children and my colleagues Debbie Or I can give them Debbie filled with the presence of God, hopefully to the extent that there's an overflow into the environment that I'm in on that given day. Debbie's all right. Some days are better than others, to be honest. But uh, Debbie filled with the presence of God has the potential to bring God's kingdom that day. You see... It isn't just about me. It's about my heavenly father working through me, um, bringing his presence and surrounding those people he um, he has put in my life, surrounding those children in the context of school with his love and with his protection and, you know, being able to tap into his wisdom as challenging situations arise, and there are plenty of them. So what does this look like for me practically? Well, first of all, can I stand here and say, I am not perfect. My life is not perfect. And there are plenty of times in our house when in the morning there is a missing jumper or a missing shoe or, oh, mummy, I need trip money and it needs in today. And I'm running around reading every money box in the entire house trying to scrape, trying to scrape together whatever I need. So I am not saying that this happens beautifully every day um so just get that out there it's good to be real um but you know my aim is this so I start off my day thanking God for the gift of a brand new day um now a number of years ago I read a book which really impacted me I really loved it and I would recommend it to any of you and it's sitting at the feet of Rabbi Jesus And it basically um, takes you right into the heart of the culture um, in the time whenever Jesus was on the earth. And I remember reading in that that um, there's a Jewish prayer routine. And that involves the second you wake up basically praising God and thanking him for returning your soul to your body as such, you know, giving you... Um, another fresh new day. And I love that. So it's kind of a wee practice that I have kind of um, adopted in my own life. And then I ask the Lord to speak to me through his word. And just at this stage, my life with the kids and all that sort of thing, 
Um, I One of the, the kind of disciplines or practices that I'm doing this year is the Daily Bible app. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Bible in one year by Pippa and Nikki Gumbel. Um, and it's great because you've got the option actually of listening to it. And that just practically um, at this season of my life in the morning, that works really well for me. So um, that's what I do. Um, my, I discovered that listening to it in the shower isn't the best idea because one day my phone ended up having a bit of a bath and I didn't really seem to appreciate that. So I kind of uh, try not to do that anymore. But uh, so that's what I do. And then um, I get into the car and I have intentionally have worship music just to kind of surround me, um, to help me to focus, really focus and give that day over to Jesus on whatever it's going to bring. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's what I do. Um, and I had one day where we didn't have any dramas of missing shoes or anything, and I managed to do this. Um, and it wasn't very long ago. And the fruit of this pattern, you know, was really testified to in the context of my school. Um, so I was teaching a, a small class of children um, with a range of needs, uh, mostly children who had autism. Um, now, for these little ones, routine is essential, and they really, really struggle um, whenever things are kind of out of sync or if there are any unexpected things that happen during the course of the day. And actually, they can become very distressed and disorientated and upset when these things happen. So on this particular morning, um, I was sitting at the desk, and I'd kind of found myself quietly singing. I'm not going to sing, don't worry. Quietly singing, you know, the song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere in preparation for the children coming in. And all was grand. And then they came and hung up their wee bags and their coats and all that sort of thing that they do. And it was all going well. But then the next second, the fire alarm went off. Um... And so I have had no option but to interrupt the schedule. I kind of made it a bit of an adventure. Um, so I had to usher the class um, out of the door and down to the fire assembly point, which was actually quite far away, down in the hockey pitch. You know, they had to walk quite some distance and the whole school were out and it was quite an ordeal for them. It was a really big deal. And do you know what? These little ones coped amazingly well with this they didn't panic they didn't become distressed they just did as I asked and they calmly followed me and we chatted away on the way down and kept it all very very light um and the classroom assistant was just looking at me really weirdly and she was just like Debbie what what what's happening here and she said I was worried sick when that fire alarm went off because these wee ones, like that, that's major for them. That's a really, really, really stressful situation for them. And she could not get over the fact that the kids had responded in the way that they had responded. You know, it was just such a beautiful, beautiful testimony. Um, and they settled so quickly when they got back to class as well. And we had a really good day, you know. We didn't have any kind of big big dramas or anything. Now, I know that this was the result of uh, the presence of God filling that room and causing his peace to reign because, you know, where his peace is, there's no room for fear. Where the presence of the Lord is, there's freedom from fear. And that's what those children experienced that day. And I'm so grateful for that. 
But you know what? Sometimes I can still have a difficult day, even with that kind of practice of presence. There can still be a day that's tough. But I suppose you could think, well, how much tougher would it have been without the presence? And then it's kind of strange, but there could be other days which where by the grace of God, it's an amazing day when I maybe haven't, you know, done that. It's kind of a, a bit of a funny thing. And, you know, it kind of was making me think that we live in, the, in a bit of a, a kind of tension, don't we, of the now and the not yet of the kingdom. You know, things will not be perfect. But regardless, I am so thankful that God walks beside me and walks with me um, throughout every day. So on that occasion, um, I think I would describe God's presence as being very powerfully but quietly evident. But there are other occasions when I have experienced almost an overwhelming sense of the presence of Jesus, the presence of God. And very often this is whenever I gather with my church family and where we worship together and we are family together um, you know, as bringing our humanity and our brokenness before him, lifting his name and leaning into hearing his voice together. Now, a few Wednesdays ago, um, we met here for our corporate prep, one of our corporate prayer times where our family and Emmanuel Lurgan came over and they joined us here to worship. Um, it was a really stunning evening. And guys, you know, please, please, please make it a priority to come to these because the Lord is doing incredible things. Um, and the presence of God, I've heard a number of people using this term, the presence of God that, that particular evening, it was just thick. It was just thick. And there was such a beautiful presence. It was almost just a confirming the unity and the love and the sense of family in this new creation and expression of church. And Alan was talking about this earlier. Um, Psalm 16 verse 11 speaks of finding fullness of joy in his presence and that night that was certainly the case so I had brought my two youngest children with me because our babysitter um, plans hadn't worked out and as you know my 11 year old daughter was so profoundly touched by the presence of her loving father and the beauty of the love that she experienced that evening from her Emmanuel family. <clears throat> so much so, <clears throat> sorry, I've got a dodgy throat. So much so that the wee soul actually cried all the way home in the car and, uh, you know, prompting my little seven-year-old son to reassure mommy, mommy, it's okay. They're happy tears. It's okay. And, you know, Katie was able to express, because of that experience of presence, that she said, Mommy, I, I just wanted to stay there forever. I never wanted to leave that place. But, you know, interestingly, presence doesn't always equate with feelings. There are times when I draw close, but I wouldn't actually say that I particularly feel God close um, in response to that. But yet in those times, do you know what? I know my father well enough to know and to stand on his promises throughout the Bible because he is always close and he is always present. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
And the Psalms are full of David wrestling with the Lord. And they're so honest. They're so raw. I love them. And many, many Psalms are, you know, they're very, very similar. Um, Psalm 22, he implores, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why do you remain so distant? And yet, interestingly, later in that same Psalm, he states his trust in God's presence. And so if you guys have struggled with this, you are not alone. Isaiah 41 verse 10 reassures us, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. And I think that it's in these seemingly more distant times that we actually need to stand on and believe in God's promises. Because in the silence, he is there. In the waiting, he is present. And you know, at times, I believe that he loves us to pursue him, to press in more deeply than maybe we have before, to determine to find him in the desert. And I guess it's maybe a little bit like playing hide and seek with a loving father who wants to be found, but maybe not too easily. Oh, clicker time. There you go. Um, I came across this little quote from the book, No Man is an Island, written by Thomas Merton. And it says, God who is everywhere never leaves us. Yet he seems sometimes to be present, sometimes to be absent. If we do not know him well, we do not realize that he may be more present to us when he is absent than when he is present. That might take uh, a couple of readings, eh? It's a bit profound. I'll read the last little bit again. If we do not know him well, we do not realize that he may be more present to us when he is absent than when he is present. So how often should we pursue and prioritize present? Presence. Well, maybe that just comes down to the question of how dependent are we on him? Can we actually live without him, even for one day? And I believe the truth is that every single breath we take is a gift from him. It's the source of our very being. And I love that name, Yahweh, that Alan referred to. That was one of my, I was going to talk about that, that Alan referred to last week. Um, And it's translated, I am who I am. And this is the name that was given to Moses in response to his question in Exodus 3, verse 13, when he said, who shall I say sent me when he was kind of given his mission? And uh, I'm not quite sure, to be honest, that that really helped Moses overly, um, but that's what he got. Um, So remove the vials, and Yahweh is said to reflect the sound of breathing, the sound of a breath. So imagine that, every breath that we take, speaking out the holy name of our Heavenly Father. And maybe you guys have come across the, the study of laminin. Have you heard of laminin? No? 
hands up anybody? Yeah, a couple of you have come across this. I love this, so I wanted to share this with you. Um, so basically, laminin is the protein molecule that holds structures together within the human body. But the most amazing thing is what laminin actually looks like. And I'm going to show you. So laminin actually is in the shape of a cross. And uh, there's been quite a lot of excitement from Christian scientists around this discovery. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's quite awesome, really. Um, and it reminded me of the verse in Colossians 1, verse 17, which says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So there you have your laminin the protein molecule that holds structures together within the human body. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So really, in light of the above, God's presence is there for us. And the reality is that we need him every second of every day and should acknowledge that. And as our Heavenly Father, God seeks a relationship with each one of us, his sons and his daughters. And you know what? This is not about a tick exercise. It is not a case of Bible reading done, tick. His heart is that we journey with him and we involve him and we talk with him and we share with him um, throughout every day. And, you know, the reality is that we leak, don't we? Attending a Sunday service where you really experience the presence of God will not get you through the week. And, in fact, by that afternoon, you could even be struggling, depending on what your day looks like. And that's why I believe, and I love that verse in Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 23. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. It's maybe a bit like food. We love our food, don't we? Um, and it takes something quite significant for us to miss a meal. So imagine if you ate a hearty breakfast. Now, Northern Ireland, we could probably define that as a good old Ulster fry, minus the bread for my gluten-free husband. So bacon, you've got your eggs, you've got your hash browns, you've got your soda bread, you've got your potato fowl, you get the picture. Well, you don't think to yourself, okay, I've had a good hearty breakfast this morning. That's going to keep me going until tomorrow morning. Because our bodies are designed to burn off energy as we do life and as we walk through our day. And so by lunchtime, we're physically in need of some more sustenance, something else to eat. And in the same way, in our human imperfect state, we need to draw alongside and to feed from the life and the presence and the strength of our Father God many times a day. And that's the beauty of the presence-filled relationship and design that we can enjoy and that he longs for us to have. And you know, the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, that's the outworkings of that. Galatians 5, um, verses 22 to 23, I'm sure you know them well. Um, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, self-control. They're the fruits of walking hand in hand with the Spirit um, and becoming more like Jesus as we do that. 
So when I was a little girl, I used to visit a couple of times a year an, an elderly couple with my parents. It was a wee bit boring, to be honest. And um, every single time they gave you boiled cake to eat, boiled fruit cake, and I didn't like that. I still don't like boiled fruit cake. And that was kind of the most important part of visiting people was what they were going to feed you. So I had to kind of think about some other way to uh, amuse myself. So one day... I noticed that they had a plaque uh, in the hanging on the wall in the lounge that we were in. And you know what? This plaque actually, in my childish state, it became a real kind of life shaper for me. So I'm going to share it with you. And it said this: it says, "I tell him all my troubles. I tell him all my joys. I tell him all that pleases." And I tell him what a noise. He tells me what I ought to do. He tells me what to try. And so we walk together, my, my God and I. It's quite simplistic, but it's a beautiful picture of presence experienced through daily relationship with our God and our Father. All emotions honestly laid bare before him, listening to his heart and his direction, his truth as we navigate life hand in hand with him. A life which reflected this pattern beautifully was lived by a man called Samuel Ray. This particular man laid down the trappings of the world to love and to serve um, the most isolated and lonely and in many cases rejected members of society throughout his lifetime. And Samuel sat at the deathbed of many who would otherwise have taken their last breath alone. And you know, this man walked miles and miles and miles in all weathers to get to these people. He had no car. And uh, it later transpired that he was in a lot of pain as he did that because he was suffering from angina, which he kept um, from his family. So this man knew Jesus and he carried Jesus with him. And he modeled the love and the compassion of his heavenly father practically. And, you know, many came to faith um, before stepping into eternity because of his life and because of his ministry. And, you know, Samuel was a private man. He uh, was seen quietly entering the front room of his mid-terraced home just off the Stranmills Road in Belfast. And he closed the door over in that room before ever setting foot out through the front door. And there, through a chink in the door, my mum would watch her dad dropping to his knees before his heavenly father. He understood the beauty of presence and the importance of presence. Being filled with Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit so that God's love would overflow into the lives of those he was crossing paths with. So what a legacy for me as Samuel Ray's granddaughter, to reflect on and to learn from. And sadly, he actually died and went to be with 
his father whenever um, I was only two. But I can't wait to get to heaven and to be reunited with him and to hear his stories. Um, it's going to be amazing. So I want to leave you this morning with um, a quote from Lisa Michelle Wood, who is, uh, she writes Christian poetry. So this is what she had to say. Your presence fills every space of a heart that seeks to find. Your love is here to save us and your name is love defined. Your presence fills every space of a heart that seeks to find. Your love is here to save us and your name is love defined. The disciples had Jesus' presence, but yet Jesus said that it was better for him to leave so that the Spirit could come and be in them. And it's such an honor for us to be able to live and to breathe and to do life in his presence, the Father, the presence of our Father. So what I would love us to do, everyone, um, the Lord's really been kind of ministering to me and speaking to me as I've been preparing this uh, over the last week through a particular song. And so what I would love to do is, we all sat, guys, yeah? What I would love to do is to play it um, just over you all. And I would love to encourage you just to receive. Just let the Holy Spirit, let the presence of Jesus just draw close to you. Um, and let this song really minister to your heart as you listen to it. <laughs>